Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, welcome. As you know, uh, Wednesday nights is a Bible study, and we uh, go through a book of the Bible. And we're going through the book of Philippians. I'm always amazed over the years how um, it seems like what we're doing that week is so appropriate for what's going on. And as you can imagine, this week's no different because we're going to talk about the same section of verses that I spoke about Sunday morning. Now, I'd already planned to do this, and this is not something new or anything else, but it's just what I wanted to do. And so we're going to do a little review and talk about these verses. We're in Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 is what we're going to look at. But let me give you a little review. Now, you'll notice on your screen that there's a text number that you have that you can text us questions. We'll still be able to do that. We'll try to answer them. There's also notes available to you. Hope you'll take advantage of that. And so chapter 3, Paul writes to these people and says to them, he says, look, there's somebody coming in and different teachings coming in and they're trying to ruin you and corrupt you and tell you you've got to do certain things to be saved and you've got to do this if you're going on a God. And he says, they're wrong because you don't have to do anything. Jesus Christ has done it all. And he goes through this litany of his qualifications of what he's done. I was this and I was this. You want to talk about a Jew? I'm the greatest there is. I've been through this. I've been through this. And if all of that could do anything, I would be the one first in line. But he says, it's all garbage. All that matters is what Jesus Christ has done. I count it all garbage to know him, to know the fellowship of his suffering, to know what he's gone through. I'm pressing on. I haven't made it yet, but I'm going to keep going. And then he says, look, I've told you this before. I've got tears in my eyes because you mean so much to me. And I care about what's going on for you. And these people, their God is their appetite. Their God is going to take them to destruction. Don't give in to that. Don't do that. Keep waiting with anticipation for what God's going to do. And then he shifts into chapter 4, the last chapter. And he says, you know what? Relationships matter. Relationships are really important, and they really, really matter. Look at verse 1. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends. You're my joy and the crown that I receive for my work. Notice his, his willingness to give them credit for what they've done and what they're doing and how much he cares for them. And he says, there's a couple of you ladies who aren't getting along and I want you because you love the Lord and because you've worked with me, because you belong to him, you need to settle this disagreement. And I'm going to ask someone to help you if you can't do it on your own because they've worked hard. They've told others the good news and they've worked along with us and they care about us and they're our co-workers. Their names are, they're saved. Their names are written in the book of life. And he cares about people because relationships matter more than anything else. So here we find ourselves tonight is still dealing with the relationships. Uh, Earlier today, I had to make a decision of what we were going to do in the future, how we were going to address things. And you know, if I was just about me, man, I'd just keep going the way we're going and go in that way until whatever. But you know what? When you make decisions in life, you don't always make them just for you, do you? Sometimes you have to make them considering other people more than yourself. And so we've made the decision and taken the steps to care about others more than just us. 
And we want everybody to make sure that you know you're not alone. If you need something, ask us. We're going to keep streaming services. We're looking at some other ways that we can stay connected with you and what we can do. And we've made these choices because we care about people. We want to do what's right and what's best. And so it's life isn't always getting to do what you want to do. If you're married and have kids, you know that as a parent, you know, you don't always get to do what you want. You have to do what's best for the kids. And so you and I have to come to that place where we're facing new circumstances. Our technologies can keep us connected, and they should. In fact, I'd encourage you, over the next few days, why don't you contact a few people, people that you care about. Phone them, text them, email them. Tell them, hey, you're not alone. You need anything. Can you help? And if you need help, call us. Because we have a relationship with one another. Even though we might not meet in the same building for a little while, the relationships still exist. We might not physically be together, but we are spiritually together. And so we are a people who understand, I want all my relationships to be critical enough that if there's a, anything going on, I'll do whatever I need to do to fix him because relationships matter to God. Notice what he says in 2 John chapter 1, verse 5. He says, I'm writing you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but it's one that we've heard from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another just as you have heard from the beginning. You see, love gives. Love doesn't just think of itself. Love thinks of others. Love is willing to make choices so that others benefit where you maybe have to give more. And so we as a people, we as a church, we as Christians understand that the priority is relationships. I mean, the two greatest commandments are all cooked into relationships. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, everything you got. You love others as you love yourself. And so those relationships become critical and even more critical in times of distance and in times of going through circumstances that uh, we don't know where they're going to take us. Secondly, then, Paul talks about how that you and I are to rejoice always. Rejoice always. Boy, you know, I can understand rejoice, but always is sometimes really, really hard to know how that I do that all of the time. But that's exactly what he says in verse 4 of chapter 4. He says, look, I want you to always be full of joy in the Lord. And he says, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. I want to make sure you don't miss it. Because there is a joy that only God can give to you. There is a joy that God has for you that cannot come from any other place. And that joy is internal. It's because of a relationship that you have. When your relationships are where they need to be, joy is a fallout from that. Joy is something that happens when you understand that connection. And so Paul writes, be joyful. All throughout this book in Philippians, joy has been one of the themes, in fact, probably the main theme of this book. Be joyful always. Rejoice. He mentions it several times in almost every chapter. And so you and I are called to be joyful people. That joy is different than being happy. Happiness comes from the external. Joy comes from the internal. 
Happiness sometimes makes you giddy and you don't know how to express it all the time. Joy does some of that too, but joy is just a confidence that's deeply settled within you that you have knowing that God is faithful and God will take care of you and your relationships are where they need to be. Therefore, be joyful. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, he said, our hearts ache. And he goes through this. He previously has gone through this whole thing. We're this, we this, we're gone through this, but this and everything else. And he says, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. <laughs> we're poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. What a great way to look at life. When you measure life, you measure it by this. You know what? I might go through some heartache in life, but even in the midst of that, I have reason to be joyful because Nehemiah put it this way, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We're poor, but we are rich. We've got spiritual riches that are just incredible. And we don't really own a lot, but we have everything we need. And so he writes to them and he tells them, look, be joyful. Rejoice always because you always have reason to be grateful and thankful. Then he says, remember your hope. Remember your hope. Verse 5. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Uh, anybody got a problem with the idea that the Lord's coming soon? You look at what's going on around us today and you begin to think the Lord's coming soon. You begin to see how the world is shaping and where it's going and you can't help but think as a Christian, wow, we need to get ready. The Lord's coming soon. And he says, you let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. In other words, your relationships are such that you work together, and that's what he talked about. Remember those two ladies? You, you work together. You've done this before. Don't let anything separate you from that. You keep doing that. Let them see how you get along because after all, the world's going to know you're Christians by the way you love one another. And you let them see that. You're going to work together, and you're going to do so with joy. You know, our job is to make Christianity attractive to others. And everybody's looking for happiness somewhere. We show them what real joy is like. And that joy attracts people and we work together. Why do we do that? Because we know the Lord's coming soon. You know, and some of you got some family members, some of you got some good friends that don't know the Lord. And you want to do everything you can to introduce them to the Lord. You care about where they end up. And you have a sense of urgency because the Lord's coming soon. And so what do you do? You keep working as God has called you to work. You, get a, you have great relationships. You have the joy of the Lord that is your strength. And you just keep loving people and caring for people, looking for opportunities that you might have to share the faith with them. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. I think we've run into them. For we know that they help us develop endurance. 
And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Confident hope of salvation. I'm being saved today, but I am saved in the future too because one day God's going to take us out of this world and we're going to be with him forever. That's salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. God's going to do what he's promised. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And so we work together. We let everyone see that we're going to be one. We have that joy there. Don't forget your hope. When things look bleak, don't forget your hope. When you don't have a lot of answers to things and you look at the future and all you can see is problems, make sure you also see that there's a great hope out there. A hope in the return of Jesus Christ. A hope of heaven, of one day being there. It's one of the great character traits of the Christian. Faith, hope, and love. It's what keeps you going. It's what keeps you joyful. Because it's never hopeless. We always have hope. And then he says... Rest in God's provision. Rest in God's provision. Now, a lot of people have a hard time with resting. They stay so inner turmoil and so much stuff going on, they have a hard time rest. Rest means more than just taking a nap. It just means more than laying down. That rest comes from inside. Let inside of you be at rest. Notice what he says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, tell God what you need, thank him for all he has done, and you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so we have this peace that is there. We don't get to earn that peace. We don't get to do something. Well, if I do this, Jesus says, I'm just going to give it to you. And you look around in the world that we live in, you and I recognize we got a lot of things that we cannot control. We can't fix it. We can't control it. We don't know where it's headed. We don't know what's going to go on. But the great news is this. We serve a God who's still in control. We're living in a world where even our leaders don't know everything that's going to happen. Where no one's, everyone says, well, you know what? We've never been here before. We've never been this way. We don't know what to do. Well, God's been here before. God knows what to do. And God's still in control. And so I can rest. Or let me give you another word. Relax. Another word, chill out. Just take it easy. God's got it covered. I trust him. I put my hope in him. He gives me joy in the midst. I'm not alone because there's people around me, godly people who care for me. And he says, he will guard my heart and my mind as I live in him. So I don't have to be filled with tension. I don't have to get all worked up. I don't have to wring my hands wondering how I'm going to make it or what's going to go on or what's taken place. I don't have to do that. I can rest. I can be faithful. I can do what I can do. And God will take care of the rest. 
And so I have to be willing to get it to him. And that just means I need to rest. Jesus said this in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. How do you get rest? You come to him. You give it to him. We did that tonight when we prayed. We're giving it to him. God, remind me once again, you're in control. You're greater than this. You're going to take care of it. I, I will trust in you. We did it tonight when we sang, God, you're faithful. You're holy. You're above all. You care for us. Come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, work together with me. Let me teach you because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. The world's yoke is not easy to bear. The yoke some of you put on yourself is not easy to bear. And so I've got to be willing to take the yoke that God has for me with Jesus Christ, knowing that he's going to take care of me. Okay, we got a question? We do. Okay. The question is, uh, how do I find rest in chaotic times? How do I find that rest? I'm probably going to talk a little bit about this Sunday morning, but one of the ways you have to do this is where is your focus? You can choose to focus on all the chaos, you can choose to let that overwhelm you and you can make that bigger and you can keep staring at it and you can keep trying to wring your hands over it and you can say, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to that. Or you can say, God, you know what? I'm going to look at you. I'm not going to ignore this. I'm not going to pretend it's not there, but I'm not going to let that define my life. You'll probably say this again sometime, but we had a little saying with my kids when growing up, a crisis on your part doesn't create one on mine. So a crisis going in in the world and everything that's going on doesn't have to create a crisis for me because God's with me. God's going to give me the wisdom. God's going to protect me. God's going to help me. God's going to show me. He's with me in this. I'm not alone. So I have to choose where I'm going to focus my mind and my heart. And I have to keep them on him. Okay? Here's a similar question. Can you be a Christian without having joy? You can be, but what fun is that? I mean, why would you want to? I mean, you know, it should be, you know, when you're a Christian, there's certain fruit that should come out of you. And I think joy is one of those fruits that comes about because God's mine. And so I think I have to work on that as, a, as an individual to say, you know what, I'm going to work at being more, having that joy within me. Doesn't mean I'm going to laugh at everything. Doesn't mean I'm suddenly going to become a bubbling personality, outgoing and everything else. But it does mean I don't have to live a life where I feel miserable. I can live with joy because God is in me. And what we just read, the Holy Spirit's been given to us so that joy can be full. And so you just have to learn to look at that and understand, I don't have to be this way. God will help me if I'll let him. And he says, come to me. That's one of the prerequisites. You got to come to me. I'll give you rest. When you come to me, when you bring it all to me, when you know, well, God, I'll try you and God, I'll work it, but come to me, I'll give you rest.
That kind of leads us to the next point, and Paul writes about this. He talks about right thinking, that I've got to be able to fix my thoughts where they need to be. I got to be able to think right, because what you think in your mind is where your life goes. It's where your actions head. Notice what he says, verse 8, Philippians 4. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Remember I told you Sunday, that fixes two things. One, you need to change them. You need, it's, it's broken, you need to fix it. Some of you have been raised a certain way of thinking, a certain way of doing, uh, hold it, that's wrong, I need to fix that. I need to change that. And I'm going to read you a verse about that in a moment. The other thing is fix, keep glued to. Fix your thoughts on, on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep your thoughts where they need to be. I believe for many people, the biggest spiritual battle that you fight is your mind. How are you going to think? Are you going to think the thoughts of God or are you going to think carnal thoughts, worldly thoughts? Are you going to let the world control your thoughts? Are you going to let the news control your thoughts? Are you going to let God and his word control your thoughts? The Bible tells you how to think. The Bible gives you truth. And Paul writes here, he says, look, you fix your thoughts on what's right. Quit thinking what all these other guys are doing and listening to them. You think about the things that are right and, and perfect and what needs to be. And that's your battle many times spiritually. I've got to keep my thoughts right. Because the Bible says, God will keep us in perfect peace whose mind stays on him. So I've got to keep my thoughts there. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Notice, I'm begging you. Give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. In other words, your actions. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind that will find acceptable. It's truly the way to worship Him. How do you worship God? You obey Him. You do what's right with Him. And then verse 2, here it is. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I think one of the biggest problems I see with too many Christians is they accept Christ in their life, but they don't change the thought process. And when you become a Christian, the old way's gone. You've got to think entirely different. It's a new world. It's a new way. And so he says, you know, let God transform you. Let him do it. But he's, if he's going to do it, if you're going to let him, you've got to change how you think. Then, when you do that, you'll know what God wants you to do. And his will and his way and his yoke is good and pleasing and perfect. And so Paul says, it's right thinking. Then the final verse, you remain in the truth. You remain in the truth. Verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me and everything you've heard from me and everything you've saw me doing. Then, then, in other words, when you're putting it into practice, when you're doing what's right, when you're obeying God, then the God of peace will be with you. Then you will experience God's presence and God's peace. You see, if your mind is fixed on all the struggles and all the problems going on around you today, you, you have a sense of God being distant. 
But if your mind is fixed on him, you have a sense of God being close. And all throughout, especially the New Testament, all throughout there's a heavy emphasis on perseverance. You have to keep living for him. You have to keep doing what's right. You have to keep obeying him, even when it gets hard, even when it gets difficult. And we're very good at persevering and obeying for a while. But after a while, have you ever noticed you tend to get off track and you tend to want to go your own direction? You tend to want to do your own thing. You tend to act in a way that's self-defeating and you just don't get to where you need to get. (laughs) And so what happens is he says, look, don't give up on this. Don't get tired of this. Don't get weary in well-doing. You keep doing what's right. You keep being faithful. You keep serving God. You keep being joyful. You keep the standard that you know you need to keep. And God's peace and his presence will be with you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let's hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise. So this writer, Paul, man, he really lays it on the line. He says, look, you've got all these people trying to turn you away from God. You've got allowing a little pettiness to come in between you. You're going this direction. You're being told this and taught this. Don't give in to that. Don't do that. He says, here's how I need you to live. Get along with each other. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Don't forget that God's coming soon. And his peace is there for you. If you want to live in it, you can have it. Keep your mind where it needs to be and keep being faithful. Here's what I know as we're going through this time. God's going to be faithful. But here's what I have to ask myself and tell myself. Phil, you've got to keep being faithful too. And that's a winning combination. God's faithfulness and my faithfulness brings victory, brings success, brings hope, brings peace, brings joy. Let me pray for you. Father, tonight, I thank you for each one that's paying attention to what we're talking about. I pray that by your spirit, you'll take something and just drive it into their heart and their mind. Let them know how much you love them. Let them know how much you care for them. Let them know how desperately you want to care for them. How you want to give them peace and give them strength. Let them receive what you have. Help them to live the life that reflects your presence. Let joy be theirs. Let confidence be theirs. Let hope be theirs. As we live in these days, thank you that we're not alone and that you're with us. The God of peace will be with us. Thank you for that. In thy name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly.
Wednesday Night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.